So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Psalms 84, five through seven. Psalms 84, verses five through seven. And while you're doing that, I wanna greet everyone watching online. Thank you guys for joining us today as well. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose and a word for you this morning as well. We are very glad you are here. So we're in this series called Breakthrough, and if you've been here, that's awesome, but if you haven't been, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Thomas's messages on Breakthrough. They have been amazing, and they've just been full of words from God, like just, come on, the word of God is powerful, right? And when we apply it to our lives, we will experience breakthrough, amen? I don't care what kind of situation you're going through, if your marriage is uh, finding difficult times, if your faith is waning, if, man, your finances aren't what you wanted them to be, when we apply God's word, breakthrough happens because our God is a God of breakthrough. The other thing that Pastor Thomas has been encouraging us with is this divine partnership that God asks to join with us, with him, right? Um, Oftentimes, I don't know about you guys, but when I experience problems in life, I just want God to show up. Right? I, I want God to show up, blow it up, then clean it up. I want God to do it all. Like, come on, God, I'm busy. Take care of this for me. And here's the deal. God is the God of the universe. He has all power, all authority. He can do it. But oftentimes, he invites you and I into the process because he wants us to grow in our faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so many, many times, I'm just like, God, take care of this for me. He goes, I will, but I want to use you to do it. In fact, we've been talking about this verse in 1 Chronicles 14, 11, where David himself, King David says, God has broken through or defeated my enemies by my hand. And we've been talking about this divine relationship where even David understood, man, God is the one who's gonna defeat my enemies, but he's gonna use my hand to do it. And in that very place where David defeated his enemies, he called it Baal Perazim, which means the God of breakthrough. But if you've ever studied David's life, you guys will know that David, (laughs) there were some ups and downs on David's journey. Can I get an amen, right? We know King David, but do you understand David wasn't born a prince? Come on, I'm going somewhere with this, right? David was born a shepherd boy. He was born last in line. His father kind of forgot about him, last brother, ridiculed by his brother, but David was anointed. And eventually David made it king over all Israel, but David's life was anything but easy. It was a journey. And I wanna talk to you guys about the journey that we have with God, right? We're all on a journey. So today, the title of my message is Finding Breakthrough in the Journey. Finding Breakthrough in the Journey. Now I wanna read to you Psalms 84. Uh, we're gonna, I, I really want you to keep your finger on it. We're gonna look at a lot of other scriptures, but I specifically want you to stay on there because we're gonna kinda hop back and forth to it. This is what it says in Psalms 84, verses five through seven. Actually, before I do, I wanna pray. Just invite God's presence in here. Man, after worship, wasn't that awesome? Like, God's presence is here, but we're just gonna invite him in this place. So Father God, I thank you for sending your son that we can experience a Holy Spirit right now in this place. And I ask that we would begin to find breakthrough in our journey. Wherever we're at, God, we invite you. We wanna be a part of it. We're not seeking you just to do everything for us. We're saying we're here to play a part. And now I pray that you would speak to our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen, amen. All right, here we go. Psalms 84 says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I want everyone to repeat this with me. Say, whose hearts? Whose hearts. Come on, guys. That's, that's 11 o'clock service. You can do better than that. Whose hearts, whose hearts. Are, set are set on pilgrimage. On pilgrimage. As they passed through the valley of Baca, they, 
make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I wanna start by focusing on that first line that says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever read the Psalms before, sometimes they, they're a little metaphorical to me. Like I don't really understand exactly what they're saying. Um, every year I do a Bible reading plan where one year I read through the Bible in a year, and on the off year I do something a little bit different with my Bible reading. Uh, but so I've read through the Psalms a lot, but if I'm just reading a lot of scripture at a time, sometimes I just gloss over a Psalm and I don't really understand because I'm missing cultural context or something the writer is trying to say. And so I just wanna take a minute and really dive in to understand what this psalmist is trying to say to us. Okay, the very first thing that his readers would understand is what a pilgrimage is. Okay, we don't really use that word anymore. Anyone know what a pilgrimage is in here? Anyone? Okay, a few hands. Even myself, as I was preparing the message, I went to the source of all knowledge and I was looking for a definition of pilgrimage, so I went to Google. And this is the definition that Google gave me, okay? Pilgrimage is a journey of a pilgrim. I'm like, oh, well, that's super helpful, right? Like... Come on, you gotta do better than that, Google. So I had to dig a little deeper, I had to actually click two or three pages down the line. And the more research I did, I found a pilgrimage is a sacred journey, right? People who go on a pilgrimage recognize that they are going someplace in life. And when they get there, they will be closer to their God. Now this is important for us to understand because the Jewish people actually had three pilgrimages that they had to go on a year. Required by law, they were supposed to go to Jerusalem and worship God, and they were supposed to celebrate and go on these pilgrimages. The first one was Passover. We understand, remember what Passover was, right? It celebrates the exodus of the Jewish people out of slavery, out of Egypt. Didn't matter where you lived in Israel, you were supposed to go to Jerusalem and worship God there during that time. Then there was Shabbat, which is actually an agricultural holiday. But again, you're supposed to go to Jerusalem and worship God there. It was a pilgrimage. You had to travel. They didn't have cars or anything like that. It was a journey. Then they have Sukkot, which, or another word of saying is the Festival of Tabernacles, right? And this is, celebrates the wandering of the Israelites in the desert for 40 years where God had to uh, protect them and give them food and all that. This falls, days, uh, it falls five days after Yom Kippur. So why do I bring all that up, okay? I, I certainly don't bring this up because I'm trying to convince you I know a lot about Jewish history or Jewish culture or anything like that. I really don't. But it's important because the psalmist understood what a pilgrimage is. And I believe it's important we understand what a pilgrimage is and what a journey is because we're all on a journey, amen? We're all trying to get closer to God. The difference is, during this time it was written, they literally had to go to Jerusalem to worship God. That's where his presence dwelt. But what we are singing about and worshiping about today because of Jesus Christ, God's presence literally lives inside of us. So we don't have a physical journey anymore, but we have a, a spiritual journey, right? And a lot of times we give our life to God and we just think, that's it, that's the end of my journey. Man, I'll encourage you guys with something. That is only the beginning of our journey. It is the only the beginning of drawing close to God. All right, so typically when I give a message, uh, I like to give points, like one, two, three, four, whatever. Today I have journey tips for you guys because come on, we have to find joy in the journey again. We have to figure out how to draw close to God and enjoy doing it, okay? So if you're taking notes, here is journey tip number one. And this is it. We have to find our strength for the journey in God and God alone. Find your strength for the journey in God and God alone. Look what the psalmist, look at what he says here, okay? Blessed are those whose strength 
is in you. Can I tell you guys something? You were not designed to go on this journey on your own strength. You weren't. You were not designed. God did not create us to have all the strength. Think about it. We spend most of our life actually sleeping because we're weak individuals. God designed us that way, right? Come on, that's just real. God desires. He has all the power, all authority, all the strength to give you and I. And when he gives strength to this guy over here, it's not, he's not short to give strength to this lady and this person. He, he has all the power, all authority, all the strength. Not only does he have it, he desires to give it to us. Look what Isaiah 41.10 says. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 73.26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me Strength. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But can I share with you guys a powerful but painful truth in receiving God's grace and receiving his strength in your life? His strength is perfected in our weakness. His strength is perfected in our weakness. We only get to draw from that source. We only get to draw from that strength when we come and we say, I am too weak for this. I'm too, I'm too weak. I can't handle it. I can't do it. The problem is no one likes to admit that they're weak. Anyone like to admit that they're weak in here? Anyone? Any guys particularly? Yeah, no hands. I hate it when I have a, a pickle jar I can't open. I have to always go get Adrian. I'm like, hey, can you open this for me, my wife? And she's like, you know, there you go. I'm like, man, she's so buff. She's so strong. I hate it. I, I hate admitting that I'm weak. Um, in fact, the only time I ever see people like to admit their weakness is when they, I feel like they get out of something. And, and I see this all the time when I get home from work. My wife's an amazing cook. And uh, so I walk through the door, literally dinner set. We, I sit down and I have three girls and I always ask them, hey, how's your, how's your day at school? And that's pretty much the only sentence I get in because they go straight to, you know, like, I get, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow, okay, sounds like you had a great day. And without fail, Adrian would attest to this, without fail, Dinner's done. I go, man, guys, mom blessed us with this amazing dinner. Let's clean up and bless her for that. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how good of a day they had. It. Oh, dad. No, oh, dad. My stomach, I, it really, really hurts. I, I, I need to go lay down on the couch. I need to go use the bathroom. I promise, I promise. I will come right back. Just let me, oh, dad, just one second. Let me go lay down. What happens? I clean the dinner table like, every single night by myself. I'm like, come on, guys, where are you going, right? No one likes to admit that they are weak. No one. Unless you feel like you're gonna get out of something. But Christ's power is perfected in our weakness. And I wanna encourage you guys with something. I do not care what kind of problem you're having. It could be a, a, something in your marriage. It could be something to do with your finances. It could be something with your personal faith. Can I tell you, my faith is the strongest when I say, God, I do not have strength to do this on my own. God, I, I am not strong enough to be the father you've called me to be. I, I need your grace. I need your strength. God, I'm not strong enough to love my wife. I need your strength. I need your grace. And that is when I'm the husband I'm called to be. That's when I'm the, I'm the father I'm called to be, the man of God I'm called to be. But the very first step is admitting our weakness and relying on God's strength. If you're going through this journey in life on your own strength, you're setting yourself up for failure. As a matter of fact, it's hard. The other problem is we, we know we need God for our strength, but oftentimes I I run to different sources for my strength, right? One of the places that I genuinely 
you know, draw for strength from is myself. Again, nothing wrong with that. There's an element of truth. There's something to be said about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and just getting something done. Adrian teases me all the time because I might be, you know, have the flu, sick. I'm like throwing up and I'm like, but the grass needs to be mowed and the gutters need to be clean and I'm out there. She's like, Micah, you're sick. Stop. I'm like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. And, And here's the deal. Again, there's an element of truth to that. But I cannot be my source and my strength. God did not design. I don't care if you have a big tank or a little tank. Those are words we use. Like, you know, you just feel like you can go, go, go. Or maybe you feel like, man, I woke up and I'm already ready for bed again. I don't care, right? You're not designed for, to just hold all that source of strength. God designed you to be weak on, a per, on purpose. The other place that we draw, try to draw strength from is others. Again, there's an element of truth to this, right? The Bible says two are better than one and a three-quartered rope is not easily broken. There's a certain amount of strength that I can pull from my brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? But I cannot make them my source and my strength. They were not designed to do that. Uh, Even us pastors, guess what? I was not designed to be your source and your strength. I just wasn't. Honestly, we see this uh, perfectly exampled in marriage. Your spouse, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you believe God put them in your life, and I believe that's all true, was not designed to be your source and your strength. Listen, I have an amazing, unbelievable, very strong wife. And there are times where I pull on her strength when I'm having a rough day, and I love it. But if I make her my source and my strength, I'm setting her up for failure and I'm setting myself up for failure. And here's the deal, I wanna be a strong man, I wanna get the pickle jars for her and I wanna get the grass and I wanna do all that stuff for her, whatever the case may be. But if she tries to rely on my strength as her source, she's setting me up for failure. She's setting herself up for failure. That's, That's not what God's called us to do. That's not how God's called us to live. So can I encourage you guys with something? If you're going through life right now and you're feeling tired and weary, you just don't feel like you have the strength to keep going on in this journey, are you pulling from the right source? Are you getting your strength from the right place? Look what it says in Psalm 71, verses five and seven. It says this, O Lord, you alone are my hope. Where have you placed your guys' hope this morning? Are you looking to your bank account to save you when the troubles come? Are you looking at the government to save you when there's an issue in your life? Or are you looking to God and God alone as your hope and your strength? Continue reading, it says, I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from my birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I'm always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. And I want to encourage you guys, as we're on this journey, again, it's not necessarily a physical journey. We're trying to draw close to God. We're trying to do, we're trying to be the, the mother. We're trying to be the spouse. We're trying to be the businessman, the businesswoman. We're trying to do all these things, but you just don't feel like you have strength to get through it. Stop relying on yourself. Stop relying on other people to give your source of strength in your life. Let God do what he's supposed to do and just follow suit. I mean, just like, that's what God created you to be. Weak, his power is perfected in our weakness. That's journey tip number one. Find strength in God and God alone. Every other place is going to fail you. Here's journey tip number two. Set your heart on the journey as much as the destination. Set your heart on the journey as much as the destination. Look what it says next in Psalms 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, 
whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, look what it does not say. It does not say whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. It says whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, meaning this is not a one-time journey in life, right? You might think, again, I finally gave my life to Jesus Christ. I've achieved it. I'm, I'm, I'm made whole and all that is true. But that is not the end of your story. That is literally only the beginning. And God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a destiny in your life. He has a calling, a ministry on your life, whatever that might be. It might be back in the children's wing. It might be here on a Wednesday night ministering to youth group kids. It might be delivering Thanksgiving meals on a Saturday morning. I want you to know God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. But we have to set our hearts on the journey as much as the destination. The thing about journeys though, sometimes you can have some unexpected delays on a journey. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? And you know, my wife and I, we have four kids and we, we love going on vacations. The problem, the problem is since we've had kids, we don't go on vacations anymore. Uh, we call them adventures because with four kids, nothing's a vacation anymore. Uh, amen, right? Come on. We just, we just know it's not really a vacation. It's an adventure. And a few weeks ago, we went down. We decided we wanted to go to Branson uh, to go to Silver Dollar City to see all the Christmas lights. It's, it's, it's quite uh, spectacular. But man, that was an adventure, okay? You know, it, it was an adventure. It wasn't so much a vacation. And I remember we were driving and I, you know, I'm like, man, that's a four and a half hour trip. We should be able to stop one time to get gas, go potty, get a cup of coffee, whatever, right? And so like, I would, to be honest, uh, you know, sentimental moment here open of honesty, I was getting frustrated with how many times we were stopping. We were stopping like every 45 minutes to an hour and I'm just like, we will never get there if we just keep doing this. Like, come on, please. And I could tell Adrian was getting frustrated with me. I was getting frustrated with her. Uh, you know, we were just not giving each other the silent treatment, but we weren't talking to each other very much. And so well, I'm driving and I'm just, I could tell I'm getting frustrated. And, and, I, and all of a sudden I, I just heard God starting to speak to me and he just asked me a question. He goes, Micah, why are you so upset that this is taking so long? And I'm like, well, God, I just wanna go on this trip. I just wanna get there. And he goes, oh, why do you wanna get there so bad? I'm like, well, it's because I love my wife and kids. And honestly, God, I mean, I needed this. The last couple of weeks were hard. I just want to get there and be able to spend time with my wife and love on my kids. And then I literally just heard God say, so let me get this straight. You're trying to go on this trip to go spend time with your wife and kids, and you're upset that you're going to spend more time in your car with your wife and kids. Man, God, how are you going to play me like that? I'm just like, geez, Louise. And I'm like, okay, I get you. And all of a sudden, I just had to realize, I just had to let down that the journey was taking longer than I expected. I just had to forget that and just know, if I'm with the people that I love, how could I not enjoy the journey? And let me encourage you guys with something. Maybe you've experienced a delay in your journey. Maybe you thought you'd be farther along in your career than what you thought you are now, that you should be, right? Maybe you thought you'd have that job. Maybe you thought you'd have that ministry. Maybe you thought you would have that child and you're still waiting on it and you're just thinking, God, I thought. I thought you were gonna get me there. I thought this was how my journey was gonna play out. Look what Proverbs 8.30 says. It says, then I, and this is wisdom speaking as if it was a person, okay? So then I, wisdom, was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. So I wanna share this truth with you guys. When we invite Jesus on the journey, we can always rejoice in his presence. 
I don't care what kind of unexpected delay you had. I don't care what kind of flat tire you had. I don't care if you're having more problems than you thought and it's taking twice as long to get there. What wisdom is saying is when I have Jesus right by my side, I can find joy in the journey. I can always rejoice in his presence. How can we, as much as we're all laughing at me because I'm like, I just wanna spend time with my kids. Just wanna spend time with my wife. And he's like, yeah, they're in the car with you. Enjoy it, right? Jesus is right by you. He is right by your side. He wants to fill you with that joy. I understand it can get hard when you have that unexpected delay, but find joy in the journey again. When you do, you will not regret it, and you'll find so much more peace than you ever thought possible. So that's journey tip number two. Here's number three. Make your trials into your triumphs. Make your trials into your triumphs. And here's the deal. It's a little cliche. We've heard this before. Make your trials into your triumphs, your tests into your testimony, your mess into your message. But there's a reason why we hear that because there's a lot of truth to that. And I wanna keep reading in Psalms here. And I think you guys are gonna be blown away by what the psalmist writes. Next he says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Okay, to understand this, we actually have to understand what the Valley of Baca is. And if we look at the real translation of it, the Valley of Baca is translated the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Weeping. Okay, so think about it this way. The psalmist is saying as pilgrims are on their way to their destination to worship God, a good place, they will pass through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Tears or the place of weeping, and they make it a place of springs. I believe this is both a spiritual and a physical metaphor that we can draw from. Physical because did you guys know the Valley of Baca is an actual physical place that we can see today? There's some debate on this between scholars, but most scholars have variously identified the Valley of Baca with the Valley of Achor in Hosea 2.15, Joshua 7.24, and the Valley of Rephium in 2 Samuel 5.22, okay? This is a physical place just north of Jerusalem that pilgrims would literally have to pass through to get to Jerusalem. But the thing you have to know about the Valley of Baca is that it's a dry and weary place, It's literally a desert, so it's a valley, no streams, no wells, no natural sources of water, and yet we get this most unbelievable statement. He says, they make it into a place of springs. How do you make a place of weeping, a place of sorrow, a place of dryness into a place of springs that can refresh you? How do you do it? Again, I think you'll be blown away by this. If you look this up, most scholars believed this is what pilgrims did through the Valley of Baca. They'd get there, and if they were blessed enough to, on their journey, again, those journeys were hard in those days, and it, and it was difficult. They would get to the, that valley, they would stop there, they were near Jerusalem, and then they would dig a ditch. Well, why on earth would you ever dig a ditch when there's no natural streams, and no rivers, nothing like that? Look what, the, look what the next verse says here. Psalms 84, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of streams. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Listen, you might be in a place of weeping, you might be in a place in tears, but God will always bring refreshing rains. He will always bring refreshing rains on your life. But listen, you have a choice. This speaks to the divine partnership that God wants us to be a part of when we experience breakthrough in life because these pilgrims could do two things. They could go through the Valley of Baca and just continue on. But when they dug a ditch, 
it would allow that water, autumn rains would come, and what scholars believed is this entire valley would be filled with ditches with pools in them, and it would be a refreshing spring for other pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. But they had a choice to make. Listen, if they didn't stop and dig a ditch, the refreshing rains are always gonna come. Every, in, every, in due season, rains always come. I know we have several farmers in here, and they'll tell you there's, such, there's a such thing as a drought, that we can have a, a physical drought, but no matter what, rains eventually come. There's no place on earth that's never experienced rainfall before. A rain will finally come, but we have a choice to play. We can either dig a ditch and prepare for what God will do eventually, or we can move on and miss the blessing, miss the refreshing rains that God has for you and me. And I just want to share with you guys, I know it's not easy when you're in the valley of weeping. Um, And my wife and I have gone through many valleys, many mountaintops, many great experiences, but probably one of the lowest valleys we've ever had to walk through is when we lost our uh, first child to a miscarriage. And if you know a little bit about our story, we were, uh, got married young and we were in college and we just love kids. Like literally we love kids so much and we knew we wanted kids, but trying to be smart, we just waited. We wanted to wait until after we both graduated. So literally weeks before uh, Adrian graduated and I graduated, Uh, we started to try to get pregnant and we were blessed to get pregnant very quickly and we were very excited. I remember telling all my friends, Adrian telling her friends, our parents, our church family, all my brothers and sisters. It was just a really, really great time. But fast forward a few weeks after graduation and I remember I was working and I looked down at my phone and I saw I had several missed calls from Adrian. And I remember just grabbing that phone and calling her and said, hey, what, what's going on? And I could just hear some concern in her voice. And she said, Micah, I, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And in that moment, I just want to say, no, like, I don't believe it. That's not going to happen. God would not do this. And I just declared God's word over that child, over our marriage, over our family, declaring that there would be healing, restoration. And I said, honey, I'm going to finish up work. I'm going to come right home. Just hold on for a second. So I finished up my work, drove home. And by the time I got home, I just saw her sitting in a chair weeping. And I came to her and she said, no, Micah, I'm definitely having a miscarriage. And I'll be honest, all I could do was weep. I kid you not, we cried and we cried and we cried and we cried. I remember calling my parents weeping. I remember calling her parents weeping. I remember calling all my brothers and sisters just weeping. And to make things maybe even a little harder, my oldest brother and his wife were expecting their first child at that time. And why we were so, so, so happy for them. Every time we saw them, it was just a reminder of something we didn't have, which was a a child. And I'll be real, we just wept. (laughs) I mean, we were just so sad. Again, I just began to think like, God, why, God? Why would you do this? And our journey of following you, we're so faithful. We've been trying to be so faithful. Why would you do this? But then I saw my wife do something amazing. There in the Valley of Baca, there in the Valley of Weeping, she began to dig a ditch. And she did that by falling on her knees every morning and worshiping even when we didn't feel like it. And there was a lot of times we didn't feel like it. I mean, every day, I didn't feel like it. But we'd get down on our knees and we'd pray and we'd worship and we'd read our Bibles and we'd declare God's goodness, his faithfulness over our marriage, over our future family. And we said, God, we know you're not done with this. We we may be in this valley, but I know that I know that I know you're gonna somehow turn this for our good. 
The other thing that happened during this season is we had uh, a, a woman in the church, a mother in the church come and uh, just send a very simple card to Adrian. And she had also, we knew her story, she had also experienced uh, a loss of a child through miscarriage. The card was very simple, basically just said, I know the pain you are experiencing. I want you to know I love you, I'm praying for you, and I am here for you. Anytime you need, I am here. And you just do not know how much that ministered to Adrian. And I was, as I was thinking about this message, I thought about this, this woman and I realized, I don't know if she had someone in her life that ministered to her when she experienced this. But I know that woman dug a ditch in the Valley of Baca. I know because God was faithful to bring refreshing rains over that valley and that, those ditches were covered in pool and it blessed my family, it blessed my wife. And then I know for a fact my wife took the uh, time to dig a ditch in her life, gain the strength that she needed from the Lord, and there's been several other women who have lost children to miscarriage that she's written the same letter to. And I know what a blessing it's been. But she took the time so she can move on from the pain and that valley and get to experience joy with God again. I wanna encourage you guys, if you find yourself in that place of weeping, that place that you're just like, man, I don't even know how I'm gonna get through this. Literally all I can do is cry. That's all I can do. That, there's a, that's okay, there's a time for everything. There's a time to mourn, there's a time for that. But God wants you to know, don't mourn without a purpose, dig a ditch. Rely on God knowing he will bring refreshing rains over that situation, whatever the case may be. It may not even be for you. It may be for the next person coming behind you through that valley. Because that's what it was for Adrian and I. Someone dug a ditch and we got to receive that blessing because they took the time to do it. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We serve a God of compassion, the Father of compassion, the God of all mercy. And when we go to him, we receive that. But in turn, God desires us to be a blessing to others. And with the same comfort we received ourselves from God, we can give to others if we choose that. Now I want to read to you Psalms 84 to you one more time. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose strength are in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains will cover it with pools. They will go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. I don't care where you are in your journey today. God wants you to know he will give you strength for that journey. I don't care how many delays you've experienced. Maybe you're still waiting for that spouse. Maybe you're still waiting for that child. Maybe you're still waiting for that promotion. God wants you to know you can find joy in the journey today.
or maybe you're just in that place of weeping and that's all you can do, that's okay. God wants you to dig a ditch. God wants you to move out of that. You have a choice. Even if it's not for you, it was a sign for those pilgrims. When they took that moment to dig a ditch, it was saying, yeah, I'm here, but I'm really close to my destination and I'm heading that way now. Can I have everyone stand to their feet this morning? I wanna pray for a couple groups of people in here. And the first one is anyone, anyone in here that feels that they have just lost strength for the journey. You are feeling weak this morning. You're saying, man, I do not have enough strength for this. I, I, I can't handle it. I, I can't do this anymore. I wanna pray for you. And if you're here today and you've just like, and I'm not even happy, I'm coming to church and trying to put a smile on my face, but it's a mask. I literally have no joy in my journey right now. God wants you to know you can always rejoice in his presence. Or if there's someone here today that you're in a place, the Valley of Baca, and you're just, man, you need a refreshing rain over your life, God wants to provide that for you today. So wherever you're at, can I pray? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray? Someone who needs strength today, someone who needs joy in the journey today, someone who needs to get out of the Valley of Baca and for God to make it a place of springs. Come on, hands all over this room, all over this room. And I want to encourage you guys with something. What do we say at the very beginning? The first step in receiving God's mercy, God's grace, God's strength is accepting our weakness. So all you're doing when you reach out your hands like this, you're just saying, God, I'm too weak to do this. I need you. And in your strength and in God's strength, he will come alongside of you. So let me just pray for you guys. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for everyone who's lifting their hands to you right now. And I ask that you would give them strength for this journey. God, I pray that they would stop relying on themselves for strength. They'd stop trying to have themselves and pretend like they're all put together, God. We've all fallen short of your glory and we know we need you. We declare right now in Jesus' name, we will not rely on our own strength and we will stop relying on the strength of others. God, we declare in Jesus' name, you will be our source, you will be our hope, you will be our strength today, today and now and forever. We love you, God. And for those who are experiencing just this lack of joy in their life, God, they're following you, they're trying to do the right thing but they've just lost joy in the journey. Father, I pray that they would invite you to come sit right beside them. And as wisdom says, pure wisdom says, they could always rejoice in your presence. That even with a delay, whatever delay they're experiencing, no matter how hard it may be, I pray that you would give them joy to continue on in their journey. Doesn't matter how long it takes them to get there, they can be filled with your joy and your peace today. And Father, I pray for anyone who is in the valley of weeping. For those who are experiencing pain of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. For those whose faith is failing for a marriage. For those who are looking for work this season and feels this is impossible, we'll never get out of debt, we'll never be able to climb this mountain, this valley is too deep. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them the strength they need to dig a ditch and that you would cover that valley with 
your reins, God, pools would grow. It may not even be for them in this season, but may it be a sign to them that they are ready to move on from that valley of weeping, and may it be a refreshing spring to others as they travel through it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, let's praise God. He's doing so much here. He's doing so much here. And finally, we wanna to close today by giving anyone here an opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I had no idea that God wanted to be so a part of my life. And you're like, I wanna go on this journey. I just thought it was like a one-time thing and man, here I go. Maybe you're saying, man, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus and invite him along this journey. Or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you feel far from him. It's what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. But you're here and you're just feeling it in your heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. I wanna make that decision. I wanna make that commitment in my life. If you're here today, would you just raise your hand so I know who to pray for? Come on, hands, hands, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hands in this room, and I wanna encourage anyone who's watching online, this is for you guys, do not miss this moment. As much as we're here celebrating what people are making this decision to do, this is for you as well. All right, you guys can lower your hands in this room. We're just gonna pray this prayer together, and we do this for a couple of reasons. One, we wanna show support to our brothers and sisters who made this commitment. We wanna say, man, we love you. We're gonna pray right alongside you. The other thing it does, it reminds us we never graduate from grace. I certainly haven't. And we need to be reminded how much God has done in our lives. So would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray after me. Father, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay. To make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life and I give you my trust. And because of the blood of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on guys, you will never be the same. Let's give God praise. Come on, we're gonna worship together one more time today. God has a plan, God has a purpose for you. He wants to turn your graves into gardens. Come on, let's worship him with this new revelation, all right? Thank you guys.